Welcome to the Edinburgh Chi Alpha Sermon Podcast. Thank you for listening. We sincerely hope that what you hear today challenges you, encourages you, and helps you fall more in love with God. We would love to talk with you face-to-face about any thoughts or questions you have about a topic brought up in this sermon, and we look forward to seeing you in person for the next one. Enjoy the message. I'm back here again. Seriously, what an honor it is to speak um, for a second week with you guys. So thank you for not kicking me out. It means a lot. No. Um, So I kind of want to start this off a little different. So um, I have this prehistoric, authentic, all the way from New England, from the 1200s, a throne. Right? Okay. So... This is a competition. I'm going to have them pull up a countdown for 60 seconds. And whoever is sitting on this throne at the end of the 60 seconds gets a $10 gift card to Starbucks. So you can satisfy all your white girl needs. (laughs) And white guys, because let's be honest, they all like macchiatas too. Pumpkin spice. Okay, so... Good. Okay, go. You have 60 seconds to take that chair. Okay, pause, 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 pause. Wait, don't move. Don't move at all. Don't move at all. Don't move at all. Don't move at all, Jacob. Oh, he's catching a microphone. I love you. Okay, I want you to just look at this picture for one second. Just look at this. Don't move, don't move, don't move. You guys are all paused. So tonight, um, what I want to talk about is about this throne, because this throne actually exists in every one of our hearts. And so regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, you have a throne that is intrinsically placed and royally established from birth in you. And when you're born, it's empty, and it's waiting for someone or something to sit on it and rule over you. And this is what your heart looks like right now. Okay? So this is just what we're getting into. So, um... I don't even know where to go from here because no one's even sitting in it. Don't sit on it because Jay will die. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, it's for Julie. Her butt's on it. I was just waiting for someone to put their butt on it. That's all. Everything lived, though. Thanks, Julie. Okay, for those of you who don't know me, I'm TJ. I didn't really technically introduce myself. If this is your first time here, I'm so thankful and honored to be able to speak to you tonight. And if you've been here, um, I'm thankful that you came back because God has some great things to do 
in all of us, and that's not done until we die. So let's keep going. Um, let's see. <laughs> yeah. So it, what you, and it was a lot of fun. They got real serious, and you guys were like, oh, we don't know how to handle this. <laughs> you know, they laugh, and then you're like, oh, wait, this is really, really our hearts, though. So jumping into it kind of deep, uh, we've been talking about the name of God, or the names of God. And um, last week we talked about Elroy. I lied. That's actually a God who sees me. That's what I've been learning about on my own time. Just kidding. We learned about Elohim, which means mighty creator. And so last week we talked about how God is in infinitely powerful and intensely personal. And so this week we want to go a little more personal and a little more powerful and um, really jump into um, a little deeper of a topic so this message is going to be kind of thick with two C's, but it'll be the good kind. <laughs> so buckle up, because I'd rather have some deep, honest conversation with you guys than some really superficial self-help stuff, right? Do you guys want some real stuff tonight? Or you want that ugh, instant mashed potatoes crap? Oh, I hate instant mashed potatoes. So... Just kind of how we saw, we realized that there's, there's a throne that is placed within our hearts. Um, and, th and that's just what it is. Um, it's not really an option. We, um, I think it's uh, Spurgeon says that um, every man who's born our soul doesn't actually seek for freedom, but it actually seeks for a master. So we're always seeking for something to rule over us. We're always looking for something to guide us and lead us in our lives. And so anything that drives us in our lives that isn't God, actually has the authority, and we have given them the control, or it the control. And this has happened since we were born, because we've been born into um, a Christian term, it's called sin, which, which means brokenness, or um, a broken, in, in the sense of relationship. So our relationship with God has been broken, because at the beginning of time, when we, when Adam and Eve went and ate from the apple of the the forbidden fruit, you know, they took that, and in that moment, they wanted to make the decision what was good and what was evil. Man wanted to become God, and man wanted to rule. So ever from that point, we have that within our heart to become God. We want to become and be him and overrule him. We want to decide what is good and evil, and we suck at being God. Hence why we're all here, and you see war, and you see turmoil, and you see really ugly things, and evil things, and wicked things, and corrupt stuff, is because we're trying to be good, but there's a part of us that drives us to be selfish, and there's a part of us that drives us to become superior. And so, my focus tonight is um, addressing uh, what authority looks like and what freedom looks like. And it's interesting because, if I'm going to be honest, um, if anyone who knows me has known this past couple months that I've been really involved with the Enneagram test. It's a personality test, the best. Why? Ask me why. So why is it the best? Because it actually addresses more of your motives. It, it says, why do you do what you do, and who do you do it for? Which is actually a Chi Alpha saying, and I love that. So we always ask ourselves through our lives, why am I doing what I'm doing? Who am I doing it for? And I'm a number seven. I'm what they call an enthusiast. 
<clears throat> I make everything fine. But deep down, it's because I love freedom and I love pleasure. That's what I crave. I crave to be, to be deeply satisfied and cared for. And I feel like people care about me the most when they're having fun with me because I like to entertain them. And interestingly enough, I, we are speaking on the word Lord tonight. And that word transfers into kuros. And the definition of that is master, owner, or supreme in authority. And I'm like, ooh, that hurts me because I love freedom. I love having all of my options. When I go out to get food, I stay. I don't care if it's McDonald's. I've been to Wendy's 50 billion times because that's, that's my girl. Oh, no, Nicole and I go there together, okay? <laughs> my woman and I go to Wendy's. But anyways... I stand there. I've gotten stuff there every single time, and I still stand there for five minutes, and I'm like, what do I want? There's so many things. I could get the half salad. I can get a free large fry. I can get the four for four, and I can get a large frosty. Like, I want to eat everything because I don't want to de be deprived of my options. So that's kind of like what drives me is that, that um, depravity or that being deprived of my options. So it really was hard for me making this message this week because this is something that God is still doing in my heart. From the first time I heard it, when I was listening to Matt Chandler speak, I was standing in my room, and I remember him saying, the whole purpose of your existence is to be in relationship and to glorify God. I paused it, I took out my headphones, and I was like, I don't agree with that. Because that poked at my flesh that was sitting on the throne, and it hurt. And I was like, no, I have way more purpose than just to glorify God. I have so much more. And then I realized that it was true. <laughs> but it's been a long process of, of you know, of God, you know, revealing that stuff to me and being kind and generous. But um, so I'm here tonight because I understand that this is a heavy topic and it's uncomfortable because it, most of the time it's really poking at the center of who we are because, like we said from the beginning, we're bent towards making ourselves gods instead of allowing God to sit on the throne as his right position. And... Um, it's interesting because you're like, why Lord? Why does he afford us, refer to himself as Lord? And we see that Jesus talks a lot in the scripture when he's doing his ministry. He shares a lot about the kingdom of God. Has anyone heard that? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So he establishes that there's this kingdom that's coming and that's being ushered in because of Jesus. And it's to the point where Rome ends up killing him because of treason, which treason, for those of you who don't know, is the belief that Jesus was going to overthrow the government. So they really believed that he was the king of the Jews and that he was going to take over and he was going to try to usurp the Roman authority. And Jesus actually tried to explain it and he begins to show us what the kingdom of God looks like as Jesus is Lord. And that's why we see all the parables of the kingdom of God we, be, we begin to see all these miracles that happen, like feeding the 5,000. And then we also get to see all of the divine healings that he literally just strolls up into a town and is like, oh, you're healed. Oh, you're healed. Uh, you know, he does this for hours. And then he tries to, like, go away and hide, and then they, people find him more, and they're like, we need healed too. And then he does it because he has the power, and he begins to show us what his kingship, what his lordship, what his authority will look like someday when it comes in full. It's beautiful. 
The reason why this is so difficult with me also is because I love control. I love to have everything organized in my life. I love to make sure my future was all planned out, that I knew where I was going to grad school, that I was going to make really good money. I'm going to make bank being a doctor of physical therapy. I knew that I was going to have a wife someday. I was going to have a really nice house in like the country, kind of the country, but not the country, enough where I can drive into town in five minutes and get everything that I need and then drive back out and then there's nobody. You know, that's what I wanted. There were things that I desired. I wanted financial security, which all these things aren't bad. However, I put myself on the throne to say, I'm going to dictate what I want in my life because I know best. And I kind of, it kind of is a wrestle. You know, it's like a wrestle with God. Sometimes we wrestle because we say, God, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to give this to you because this is what I want, you know? But we realize that there's only two things that can either sit on the throne, and it's either going to be God or it's going to be sin. It's going to be our selfishness that sits on the throne. And that was hard for me because I felt like I was losing freedom. I feel like I was losing my options. I feel like I had no choice in my life anymore. But at that time, I was still deceived. I was disillusioned of what I thought was freedom. Because I was able to have everything. I was able to do whatever I want. But in turn, I was actually just chained up to my desires and my pleasures. That's what actually was the throne. That's what dictated everything I did and allowed me to go around. But I wasn't free yet. But I begin to realize it. And even when these things like, like pleasure and desire, when those things actually were removed, I was able to like, you know, kick those things off. Then there's nothing there. And I was like, oh, made it. But the biggest mistake was that it stayed empty until they came back. And I didn't realize that the throne will never just be empty. And anarchy isn't freedom, because something will always usurp and step back onto that throne. And if it's not our mighty creator, if it's not Jesus, it's going to be something else. So then how do we enthrone Jesus? How do we put him in that position in our lives? How do we place the person who we believe is the most trustworthy authority? Because like when you hear the word authority, sometimes it brings back not pretty thoughts. Or sometimes it makes you think of all the stuff you see in the media. It makes you think of, like, the corrupt leaders that we have around the world. And that can never, how do I word this? Those things can taint the image of pure authority, of trustworthy authority, which is Jesus. Because we all do seek that authority in different places. And when you place it in something corrupt, it'll end up leading you astray. It'll end up taking you to places where you didn't want to go or giving you advice that you never actually should have taken, you know? So we can place it in Jesus because our mighty creator is above all and beyond all, so he knows how to best direct our lives. And therefore, when we put him there, he knows how to direct us. He knows how to guide us. So to keep it simple, the way we place him there is we surrender. And... You don't, we're not surrendering because we're defeated, but we're fully surrendering because there's something better. There's something so much better out there, which is Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, Christy, during worship, 
um, she was talking about surrender during the worship session. She said, it, it may look like I've surrendered, but I've surrendered to you. And it, it, it made me think about the difference in surrendering. Because surrendering to God looks completely different from any other surrender that we've witnessed throughout our life. Because there's a divine interaction when we surrender to God than how we surrender here. Because surrendering to the world looks like bondage. It looks like we're being bound by something. But surrender to God is actually freedom and a release. Surrender to the world looks like defeat. It looks like you, you can't go on anymore. But surrender to God is actually victory. And surrender to the world looks like weakness. It looks like you can't handle it. But surrender to God is actually strength. And surrender to the world looks like conformity. However, surrendering to God is bravery. And many, many of us believe that if we choose to surrender our lives to God, then we're letting go of our freedom and liberty. That's exactly what I thought. And I can't tell you how much of a lie that is, but you'll never know until you actually experience it. So I kind of want to pull up 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. And boom, there it is. Paul writes, um, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of God and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And this is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So I actually just learned about this a couple weeks ago from John Bevere, phenomenal pastor and author. And he writes um, about this freedom, about this spirit, because we read that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we look around and we believe that God is spirit and God, God's spirit is omnipresent, meaning God is everywhere. So we look around and we say, is there freedom everywhere? There isn't freedom everywhere, especially not in brothels especially not in bars. There's no freedom in prisons. There's no freedom in hospitals. So it begs the question, how do we read this verse? And we look back and we say, the Lord is spirit. So maybe a more accurate translation John Bevere shows is this next one. Where the spirit is Lord, that's where there is freedom. That's powerful so what that's saying is, in the parts of your life that you give the Lord, you give God lordship, you give him that authority, that's actually where you experience freedom. So now freedom is actually up to you. How much freedom do you want to experience? Because it's proportional to the amount of lordship that you allow God to have. So if you're here tonight and you don't feel like you're experiencing much freedom, I'd love for you to pray through offering yourself and allowing God to be Lord over your life because there's freedom that is unimaginable, a release from self, a release from sin. And this paradigm shift is, is an experience. It's a moment, but it's also a lifetime of walking through because when we trust Jesus and we learn how to trust Jesus as we go, then we can fully experience this true freedom and, and experience what his lordship is like, what the healing is like. And this is so critical to grasp because I didn't understand this until I was a senior going into my internship here. And I've been a Christian since I was eight. And I didn't really understand what lordship meant. 
at all. I didn't understand what full surrendering looks like. And I look back at my high school years, and I'm like, man, all these areas that I experienced so much failure, constant failure, going back and forth of, oh, well, I messed up again. Oh, gosh, I just feel like I'm in this cycle of screwing up and, and hurting people. That if I would have given God the lordship over uh, my desires, over my pleasure, over so many different things, what would have changed? Because things tonight can change for all of us if we allow God to have lordship over every area. So I want to ask, what are the areas of your life that you haven't surrendered to the Lord yet or that you're not trusting him with, not really believing that he's honorable or trustworthy? Maybe it's your thoughts. Maybe it's your sexuality. Maybe it's your emotions. Maybe it's your desires. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your future. Or it could even just be yourself. What haven't you allowed God to move in, in your life? What have you said, God, you can touch all this stuff, but this is mine. You can't touch this. Even if it's out of confidence of like, God, I know I'm supposed to be married. Have you really talked to God about that? Have, is it time for you to actually be in a relationship? Have you actually allowed God to be the Lord over that part of your life? Are you still trying to rule it? Because that's what I did for way too many years. I was like, I know what I'm doing. I didn't at all. Um, but fully surrendering allows God to show you the best option, not just the good option. Because just because things are good doesn't mean they're God, right? God wants the best. He doesn't just want good for you. He knows what's best because he's created us. And so as we trust him, he opens those doors and shows us the best path to glorify him and to bring other people into the kingdom. Jesus came and fully surrendered himself, and now you can experience freedom and victory and strength and bravery. Because of the world, Jesus surrendering looked like death. But to God and us, it's life. Jesus dying brings life to us. So this is why we celebrate Jesus as our king, because he's resurrected. He came back. He fulfilled all of the promises that he made in that all the prophetic words that were written in the scripture. So now is the time that I want to give us a chance to respond to this, because that would be kind of awkward if I just kind of left it here. It's like, oh, <laughs> here you go. Then you have nothing to do. But I want to give you guys a, t a time to respond to Jesus and to be obedient, to surrender things. Because he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And that's kind of the options you have in your life. Either you're going to allow Jesus to have it all or you're going to walk away like the wealthy rich man in the scripture with nothing. Because he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And God's going to start a really great work, and he's already been doing a great work in all of you guys. And tonight's just the next step to make of saying, what am I supposed to die to myself today? Because a lot of the things I listed tonight are good. They're really good, most of them. 
in the right time, in the right season, with God's direction, right? But just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. And there's so much freedom when we experience all of that, when we experience that lordship, when we experience that chance of surrender, that opportunity to surrender. So it might be a lot, could be overwhelming. Y'all, you could be like, I have my whole life surrendered to the Lord. Teach me. I want to know how you got there, because I'm still not there. Just this week, literally, my car broke down, had to take it to the shop, cost me $500, where I'm like, who the heck knows where that's coming from, because my, my bank account still looks like a college student. Okay? It's broke. But God took me, still, as I'm writing this, I'm literally sitting there one night on my couch, Quinn's on the other couch, because we're roommates, and he's just chilling there, and I'm typing, and I was like, oh, no. Lord has convicted me that I put my money back on that throne. And my security, my financial security and control is saying that I can figure all of this out. And God's like, mm-mm. You, mm-mm. And I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> you're right, you're right. And I literally sat there, and I was like, oh, no. And Quinn knows when I grunt like that, I'm like, oh, the Lord's convicted me. It's an, oh, Lord convicted me grunt. You know, like, oh. <laughs> the little whimper, a lot of just defeat. <laughs> and I was like, man, God, I thought we'd been through this. I thought I already gave it to you. But he's like, yeah, but it crept back up because you weren't vigilant. God will stay on the throne until something else takes its place. But God is a gentleman, so he'll always move for it. He'll always move for it. But the best part is he'll always stay there until you try to put something else there. So you don't have to live in fear every single day of Jesus leaving. The only thing you have to pray through is the strength to keep him there and for you not to put anything else in the spot of him because he's a gentleman. Because if he forced himself to stay there, he's a tyrant. That's not all loving. If God forced himself to stay in your heart as number one, what if you were trying to break up? Yeah, all of you guys are dating me. And you guys try to break up with me, and I say no. You can't. That's You're like, who are you? What if I forced you into a relationship with me? That's not love, right? Same thing with Jesus. Jesus wants to have that personal relationship. But the moment you push him out and break up with him is the moment he steps back and waits for you. He says, okay, if you want to cheat on me, you can go cheat on me. I'll be here. If you want to spend time with these other idols in your life, like success, like your future, like your significant other, money. Okay, I'll wait. I'll wait for you to come back because I love you. But putting God, putting Jesus among all the other idols is honestly the biggest offense you could do to an almighty, all-powerful God. And that's why, that's why this matters so much, why we're teaching you. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling the weight, you know, and you just keep crumbling. Like Caitlin McCarthy, when you give her a compliment, she just slides under everything. She, she like, finds a table, and she's like, oh, no. It's horrible. She's hidden, isn't she? Yeah. My point in case, case in point. Um, sorry. But the weight is real because the truth is real, okay? And this is true, and this is good. This is good stuff. 
Because I want you guys to experience freedom way before your senior year of college. And if you're in your senior year, I want you to experience it still, right? Because it's not hard to be ahead of me. It's not hard to be ahead of the people who stand up here. It's just taking the wisdom that's being spoken and applying it now in your life instead of four years down the road when you're like, oh, crap, I actually can't control everything. My significant other did cheat on me. Or um, my mom now has cancer. This isn't all real stuff. This isn't real. Examples like, you know, my mom has cancer. Or like, oh, my gosh, my brother just ended up getting hit by a car. You know, stuff like that, when you have no control of your life, then you're going to really see who's on the throne. Because what you turn to first is the thing that has the authority in your life. So if you turn to your significant other first, that's your authority. If you turn to your family first, that's your authority. If you turn to your dating app to get some good pleasure, that's your authority. If you turn to alcohol or weed just to make you feel a little relaxed, that's your authority. But when you turn to the Lord first and the scripture to see what he has to say, that's your authority. And that's where the freedom is from every situation that you go through. Because God didn't promise an easy life. There will be trials. Life is going to be hard. But it can be light. You can still experience freedom. And that's with Jesus. And that's why Jesus talks about that. So as I was trying to explain like 10 minutes ago, I want you guys to have a chance to respond to this because the weight of the cross, the weight of what Jesus did of his death, burial, and resurrection is to be celebrated as Christians. Ben, you can come up. Um, Because like we said, he's a resurrected king. He has full authority over our lives. So kind of like what I said last week, there's like objective truth. So there's like this truth, whether you believe it or not, it's true, right? Even if you look at the color green and you're like, that's orange, that's wrong, right? (laughs) If you're colorblind, I apologize, Um, right? There's this thing that it's like whether you believe it or not, it's just true. And so what I want to explain again tonight is that Jesus is already Lord. That is true. His kingdom is coming. He is the king, and he's coming, and he's giving all of us a chance to break out of these cells of sin, all of these, like, imagine like a prison cell. And he's saying, hey, the door's open. And this, this castle that you're in right now is going to crumble and it's going to kill you. However, I provided a way of freedom in my kingdom of peace and restoration and healing and provision. Would you want to come with me? Will you allow me to rule and reign as supreme Lord over your life? Because I can provide everything that you've ever wanted. I can provide joy and love. I can bring satisfaction. I can tell you that you're worth it regardless of what you've ever done. You can be in a place where you don't have to strive for worth, where you don't have to worry about where your security comes from. But you can be in a place of full satisfaction. And what breaks my heart is that there's people that'll still say no. Say, no, I don't want you to be my Lord. I don't want anyone to dictate me. I have my own freedom. I'll find my own way out of this castle. But the sad part is you never will. And I don't want that to happen. And that's why we're having this conversation right now. This is why I'm having this conversation with you guys right now. Because tonight's the night to make that decision. That the castle's crumbling. And the throne is looking for a king. And we know the ultimate, trustworthy, honorable, pure king. 
who can bring everything to the center, who can bring everything back to restoration. And so one way we remember this and one way we celebrate this victory is by taking communion, which is a representation, a symbol of the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus. And we believe that anybody from any denomination can do this. We do this together because this alone isn't, this isn't where your salvation lies. Your salvation lies by the grace through faith in Christ Jesus alone, not by your works, not by your actions, not by anything that you can do, but by recognizing and placing your faith in him and what he's already done. 1 Corinthians 5.23 says, The Lord Jesus, on the night as he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he was giving thanks, thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you, and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he then took the cup, and he said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. So we're reminded that we must examine our heart. We must fully surrender. Every time we take communion, it's another reminder another celebration of what Jesus done and another reminder of how we have to continue to surrender. This act of worship, this act of celebration, this act of remembrance is for those who've declared Jesus as their Lord and Savior, not just as their Savior, because Jesus didn't just say that he was our Savior. That's what he did. But we don't believe in him for what he did. We believe in him for who he is. His lordship is his position. His saving grace is what he's done. There's a big difference. In in this moment, we're declaring lordship. We're declaring that Jesus' act on the cross has saved us, and he is our Lord. So if you're guests with us tonight, I'm so glad you came. Um, Maybe you're here and you're just kind of figuring things out. Maybe you're here and you're curious. Maybe you just don't believe and you just want to be around community, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Um, And I want to protect you from what I believe Scripture says when it says that people who are not believing that Christ is Lord and Savior, um, it says there's consequences for taking communion while not believing that. So I want to just remove the awkwardness of when people are getting up and coming up here, that's okay if you don't. Don't feel pressured. Don't feel obligated. Okay? Just stay in your seat and worship the Lord. Or maybe pray through it. Maybe invite him into your into your life. Not as Savior, just as Savior, but as Lord. And if you want to pray with any of us, find one of the staff, find your life group leader, find someone and pray that. But as the worship song goes through, let's make this an act of declaration of what Jesus has done and that he is Lord over all of our lives. And remembering that he died for us. And as he died, we gained life through him. Because he's the king of our hearts. He's the king of, of our lives. He's the king of our soul. We can trust him with everything because he is the supreme 
authority, who is pure and trustworthy. So, if you can stand with me. God, I thank you so much. Um, just as we kind of wrestle through these heavy things, that it's not an easy thing to just accept. Because, God, we fight against our flesh, and we feel the selfishness. We feel that tug at the throne. But, God, I pray that tonight is a baby step in the direction towards you. I pray that we can celebrate in any direction that we're going that is closer to you and farther away from our sin and our selfishness. So, God, I pray tonight as we take communion that this is just a declaration and a reminder of everything you've done on the cross and that you are our Lord and Savior. You're the God above all gods and the Lord above our lords. And you are supreme in authority. And we thank you that we can put all of our trust in you. We love you. We give you all the glory and honor. And help us as we walk through this with you. That you are gracious and merciful. So come quick to us and unveil our minds and our hearts to see you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So in your time, we have communion on both sides. You can come up and take it as you as you want. We're not doing it as a as a as a congregation, but individually. Uh, but as an act, we're all doing this together. So in time, when you want, come up. It's up here. And thank you.